Here we go. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody entangled in the interwebs out there? In the interwebs. Uh, we are back. CSG podcast from Jake's Sports and Spirits, 3800 Walnut Street, where they have some of the best barbecue you will ever find. Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin out on vacation. I believe he is in Moscow. Colorado Sports Cat also missing. Haven't seen the Colorado Sports Cat for years. Yes, it's been a while. And making his way all the way down here from Thornton, the king himself, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? Now, uh, I've actually received some questions as about from people on Twitter as to why I've changed my uh, Twitter handle to at King of Thornton. <laughs> so if those are there's. It's up to you folks to expose people, as well as us, by the way, to why we do such things. And apparently I was wrong, by the way. I always thought it was you who coined me the King of Thornton. It was. Well, Ross claimed it was him. Ross is an idiot. <laughs> we all know this. There's no way Ross thought so I've been that. crediting you this entire time. I'm I, pretty sure I said it on a podcast during okay. the intros. All right, well, Ross... Ross has he's he's clueless. We'll um, just go. I'll go ahead and continue to credit you. But anyway, yes. Uh, do you remember the Colorado Sports Cat? I do. Fuzz. I wonder how the Fuzz is doing. Um, angry. Angry still. I'm sure. <laughs> um, we used to record at Ross Mar- Ross Martin's apartment, which is where it was high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. It was way up there. We had a dedicated studio with a giant Colorado flag, and there was a cat that would wander around in his apartment. I believe it's his wife's cat, but and I would get. Like, start sneezing immediately when I came through the door. Yeah. And the only thing that uh, helped me through the podcast was drinking. Heavily, heavily drinking. (laughs) Heavy, heavy, heavy drinking. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So, yeah, uh, Twitter handle changes. I changed my name, too. I like to change it up uh, every once in a while. I went to Nuggets Nate for a short period after Hawkman left. I remember that. As the reporter. I stole that for a minute and then uh, hated it after, like, a day or two, changed it. Um, and I, I really haven't been on Twitter that much. I'm on it to check a few things. You guys on, on our little text train will send me Twitter links. I check those. Uh, but usually, like, if, if I get a text from either yourself, Adam Marez, or Harrison Wind, and it's like, it's like, oh, my God, or like, I can't believe that happened. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? I haven't been <laughs> around my phone for a couple hours. Well, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Well, Nate, Nate, Nate is a working stiff, so he obvi- often will get the information late. Yeah, I got a new uh, new career, which is taking me away from uh, writing so much as well as being able to podcast so much. But I'm around from time to time, yeah, yeah, trying to be around once I get in the groove a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what's been going on. Yeah, there. well, that's, we we've just um, you know we've adjusted. Yeah, well, this is what happens when uh, things happen. I mean, you know, Ross is constantly leaving the country, so I mean, yeah, what, he's, what, he's what are gone. we? What are we? What, what can we do? Um, but uh, since we don't don't have our Broncos insider Mike Kliss with us this week, yeah, Mike won't be able to join us. Even uh, though there are some interesting uh, Von Miller contract talks going on, yeah, or yeah, lack yeah. thereof, I yeah. should say. And actually, I have thoughts on that, but I don't know. I mean, I would rather 
personally, this is my interior monologue here. I thought about bringing it up, and then I thought, you know, the Broncos get enough coverage in this town. <laughs> They'll get something figured out, or they won't, you know? Either way. Either way. It, it, either something happens or it doesn't happen. Yeah. This is what happens in life, you know? They'll be they'll be totally fine. I'm yeah. pretty sure. So do you uh, 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 um, kind of completely lost my train of thought there? Do I like Tootsie Rolls? Yes. Yes. Correct. Yes. I do. Uh, Slurpees are good. How many licks does it get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Tootsie Pop? I will say three. You know, it's weird. So I recently also moved, and at my house in Aurora, we had at least one owl living on the roof. And at night, I could be in my room, and I'd hear him just going, whoo, whoo, whoo. Really? You had an owl out there? Yeah. And now, uh, where I am now in an apartment... There's owls up on the roof there. It might be the same owl that might have followed me. Jeez. It might be my spirit animal. It might hey. be part owl. I wonder what that means. I'm going to try if to you, twist my head all the way around. Are you, are you, does that mean you're wise? Owls are considered wise. Of course, dude. Go back and read anything <laughs> I've written. Genius. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't have the time. I've been predicting these <laughs> finals games as well. Yes, you have. Now, now I, to transition into the finals... I predicted a Cavs win you before did. I knew Draymond was injured or uh, suspended. I you did. Say. You predicted, but you did, didn't you initially predict a blowout? That was a joke. Yes. But it was a blowout, kind of. Yeah, but I, I predicted like 16, something. I said points. like one eighteen seventy six. Oh or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. It was, it was completely. Although ridiculous. the Warriors have gotten their ass kicked a few times in these playoffs, yes, they have. I mean, way more than Michael Jordan's Bulls ever would have. <laughs> no, and and you know. <laughs> Jordan's Bulls, uh, you know, I, I have a controversial theory that if Adam Marez is listening to this, he'd be screaming into uh, the listening device that he's listening to this on because I, I have some questions about uh, Steph Curry and his, um, and his playoff clutchness. Yeah. Because it's, it, come on, man, you got to step up when Draymond's out. Yeah, I was listening to the Troop did a, a short podcast after Game Five, and they were they had, I believe it was the Warriors, maybe their sideline reporter. She chimed in for a few minutes. I think that's who it was. I'm not totally sure, um, but she was saying that Steph is like, there's certain movements that cause him pain, mm. you know, and there's still something there with the leg. And for him, so much of what he does is predicated off. I mean, he's he's coming off screens, obviously, and shooting, basically shooting blind a lot of times as well. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's. I think he's clutch enough. I think I, he's good. I, I, I was really disturbed. It was it was more the fact that they had a Clay Thompson, who I think is a easily their second best player. Easily their second best player. But I, I gotta say, man, he <laughs> is at least. He at least plays defense, and he and he gives it his one hundred percent on defense, and he's actually a very good defensive player, and he still puts up thirty. And then Steph, like he scored zero points in the fourth quarter, for your best player on your team, you cannot have them score zero points. If if that happened to LeBron, even if he LeBron was injured, people would be roasting LeBron. How many quarters did? Jordan scores zero in the fourth I in the playoffs. Think, I think he's probably never, 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 probably never, probably never. But people like you know, I, I, Jordan. What bugs me yeah. about Steph Curry is that people baby him. They give him so many excuses. 
And I it just, it, I mean, he gets like little passive aggressive thing from former players. I mean, the, their their views don't count. But I think he, I think Steph, if he's going to truly be a great player, that was game five was a great player moment with Draymond out. I, that you have to step up and you have to take control. That now LeBron did. I mean, the Warriors did it when Steph was out. Yeah, you know, it, against the Rockets. I mean, sure, it's the Rockets. They suck, but. See, I, that, that bugs me. I mean, I, but uh, there again, there's people listening to this, like, getting really angry and clenching their fists. Try to remember when we're done talking about the finals to circle back to D'Antoni in Houston because that is interesting. Oh, Mike D'Antoni in Houston? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. See if we did can. you listen to Woj's podcast? I did. Okay. Well, yeah, just, yeah we, we can't talk about that. Um, uh, so, anyway, what, are your view on, what is your view of the finals? Have you watched every game? Yeah, I've watched portions of most of the games, and I've, I think I've watched... I think I've watched completely maybe one or two of the games. I've caught okay. some late. I've caught the, mainly the second halves of some games. Um, What's your view of the finals so far? There's just such a big gap between the teams. It's like, yeah. I don't know what it is, and I've, I know we've talked about it. We've, I've listened to guys that have talked about it. Like, why are, why are there so many, you know, why are the point differentials so great in so many of these playoff games? And it's, you know, is it? A variety of reasons. It's just crazy. But I, all I want is close games. I want to see, you know, in the fourth quarter. I want to see game winners or guys have to hit a shot to put a game away. I just want you. Just want competitiveness. And we almost had it a couple times in the finals, right? Like uh, it was a game four. It's yeah. set up to have a great fourth quarter, and then the fourth quarter sucked. Yeah. And then game five, it was like it's kind of the same thing. Cleveland kind of put the game they had a, a safe what they've needed to do the entire finals whenever they win they've needed to have this safe cushion you know yeah. that the Warriors can't yeah, automatically can't come, come back, back from and uh, so I don't know I mean they've, they've been okay it's it hasn't been like a legendary finals by any stretch of the imagination well, what though. is your view of the playoffs in general this this year they've been you know I love the NBA I'll always watch the playoff games and even though I think that they haven't been great, I still love them. Yeah. But they just haven't been as good as some other years. It's been shit. Yeah. And it's it, it has been shit this year. Outside of the Western Conference Finals. But even there were some blowouts in that. I mean, yeah. I don't mind watching Warriors blowouts get blown in that out. One. Yeah, this is true. They get beat up bad. I'm loving it. But there was three blow- <laughs> blowouts in that one. And then there's been a couple blowouts, like three blowouts in, uh, in the finals. And it's like... I, I mean, all I, you can ask for, it, it, this is my view, all you can ask for if you're a basketball fan is competitive games. I mean, regardless of who you're, you're if, you have, if you're neutral, like yeah. me. Like if, it, if it was the Nuggets yeah. in the finals, I'd be cool with that winning by 20 every game. Oh, of course. Don't care. But for those of us who are just like, or know, have a rooting interest in the, in the Warriors or the, uh, um, the Cavs, you just want to see competitive games. And since the Nuggets have been out of, out of the playoffs for three years, last year's playoffs were great, and, you know, until the Western Conference Finals. Last year was such a toss-up year, right? Because the Warriors hadn't yet taken a hold of the league. Mm-hmm. It was. It looked. It was like the most wide open the NBA has been for maybe ever. Years. <laughs> you know, years, years, years or years since probably well, the, since probably the uh, um, the year San Antonio won. In '99, yeah. yeah, and then before then, probably when Jordan was retired. Yeah, the the, the <laughs> first know? Houston Rockets one was a wide open year. Yeah, so it was it was fun from that aspect, and, and teams. I don't know. There was it was just 
more competitive, you know. And this year, it's we've expected, you know, to have San Antonio and Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Oklahoma City snuck in there, and now it's looking like, all right, if if KD goes back there, you know, they're a piece or two away from really being back in there. You don't want to play Deion Waiters that much. You don't want to have to play Randy Foy. Yeah. You maybe not want to have to play uh, Robertson that much. Robertson? Robertson? Robertson. Never get that right. But you may not want to have to play him so much. So next year, I think, is, is will set up to be pretty interesting, especially with the Eastern Conference. Like We don't know what's going to happen with LeBron and Cleveland, Kevin Love, all those guys. Um, and Cleveland's mm. been very interesting just because if they don't win, are, are they going to say we need to really retool this thing. You know, there's rumors of you could trade Kyrie to the Clippers for Chris Paul. You could trade Kevin Love potentially to, say, the Knicks for Carmelo. Yeah. You know, there's there's not that those are even on the table, but there's opportunities for Cleveland to look drastically different next season. But why would you change things? I mean, could they, with LeBron, just walk through the regular season year after year until he's you know, basically retired and, and still make it to the finals. Is anybody else in the East going to ever step up? Toronto, if they're in the finals, it would be a sweep. LeBron is the only player in the NBA today, even with Steph Curry, who if he went to that team, that team would automatically be a contender. Yeah. He's, it, it's just LeBron's the only one. We don't have a multi-super, superstar, game-changing league we got a bunch of we have got a couple superstars in, St- in Curry and uh, uh, LeBron, and you had a bunch of stars, and that's what has kind of. I, I've always felt that the league is what had happened is. I mean, people disagree with this, but I think the kind of the the league has embraced the either you're terrible or you're excellent axiom, and that it has made the middle part of the NBA suck. Yeah, the middle class isn't as strong as it used to be. be. Because it's a reflection people, these, of America, really. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. There we go. Um, Just kidding. But it is totally like what has happened is that the, the NBA actually depends on a competitive middle, okay? You don't have to be you know, a world beater, but you have to be competitive. Well, what's happened is only all these teams are like, like kind of bad. I mean, Houston, Houston was one of the worst teams I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, and they and were the, the eighth seed. <laughs> Memphis had half of their team injured. They made it. Any other year, I, I made this point to Matt Moore on Twitter, is, in, is any other year Portland the fifth seed in the Western Conference? No. Did you ever think when the Nuggets were like the seventh and eighth seeds for all those years with Melo, did you ever have an optimism going into those playoff series against you know the ones like when they played the Timberwolves? Uh, they were higher, I guess, as a seed when they played the Clippers, um, the Spurs a couple times. And they like, played San Antonio twice. I had some stupid op- – I don't know if it's just because I'm a Nuggets fan that I had that optimism of, man, they might be able to beat these guys. And then the series starts and you're like, oh, shit, they don't have a chance. Well, and it's, it's, it's an interesting because the Nuggets in 2008 won 50 games and had no chance against those Lakers. None. Yeah. And that actually tells you how good the Western Conference was that year. And then the subsequent years, Denver wins 54 games. Um, it was an extremely competitive Western Conference. And then the year after that, when the Nuggets won 53, still very competitive. And it was just like that for several years. He had a very competitive Western Conference. In 1994, I, I looked this up, 1994, and I think in, also in 93, 95, 
1994, there was 10 of the 16 playoff teams won 50 games. 10 of 16? Yes. That is incredible. That's over half of the playoff teams that year won 50 games. So those are just a lot of really shitty teams that didn't make the playoffs? <laughs> um, no, the, 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 the Nuggets were the lowest of the teams that won in 94, and they were won 42 games. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They were the they were the lowest of the eight seeds, but the rest of them, I think, like Utah, won forty seven games that year, almost fifty. I mean, it was a hyper competitive leap. And I kind of don't know if it's not that it's not as competitive right now versus like maybe teams are just trying to figure out you know where they are. There's a lot of teams that have changed a lot of pieces recently, and a lot of teams that have really young players. The league is really young as a whole. Yeah, where it might take. You know, maybe next year will be different. You know, to me, that's kind of the thing. Like, year after year, you get a really different league. I mean, last year I would have thought, hey, this is going to be a great year because look how wide open and competitive it was last year. And then this year you don't have it, so there's no telling, like, what next year will bring. Yeah. But who's going to win this finals? But still, I mean, people always, oh, man, you're going to talk about who's winning the finals? It's going to be the the dubs. It's going to be... (laughs) It's going to be. Uh, Are they win it uh, the next game, or is it going game seven? I think it's going seven. I have a weird I, feeling it's going to go seven too, and I think I think six will six could be a good game, and Cleveland will win it, and then I think seven will probably just be like a blowout. Probably, I think that's <laughs> the, that's the way I see it. I mean, you know, with Jordan's last two titles, what was it? Both six game series, right, against Utah, and. Both, oh, yeah, because they won that one in Utah. Both games, both of them were competitive. Yeah, I mean, it the was... Flu, the flu game and uh, the, the one where he pushed Byron Russell. Yeah, uh, Utah should have won that game. Remember, it was like yeah. Carl Malone got that rebound, and was it Jordan poked it away, and then Rodman jumped on it, mm-hmm. and him and Malone went for it? That was Utah's game. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember the situation there when Malone had it where they... Had a lead, or they're going to tie it. I think yeah. they had a two-point lead. Yeah, they had a two-point lead, and this is the funny thing. Probably like a one-point lead or something. I, mean, well, yeah. I think it. The memory. I think, memory. They I, think it, I think they did have a, I did, it. It was like him rebounding. It was like to put the game away, and then it got stolen. It was like yeah. Well, well and and this I is, hated Carl Malone yeah, too. Yeah, me too. He was a jerk too. Hated the Jazz. <laughs> but but that '98 Jordan Bulls team was probably the worst of his championship teams. I mean, that's their, their Eastern Conference Finals that year. There's some guys on their last legs. Yeah. The Eastern Conference Finals that year, they went seven games with the Indiana Pacers and probably should have lost that series. And it's like it, you, you can see who had the better teams. This team, this particular Warriors team, is I, – I can't call them the best of all time. I just can't. Nah, they're not. I, I mean, can't. It's just the way I've seen them lose some of these games and the, and so the way Curry has played in some of them, I just can't give them that mental. I mean, I guess with you saying that Indiana should have beaten Chicago is the same as saying that the Thunder should have beaten Golden State. I, I mean, mean, we how, all know they should have often, beaten like, How long is that going to haunt Durant and Westbrook? I, I don't, don't, know, I, I, don't th- I think Westbrook might be able to let it roll off his shoulders. He'll be, like, pissed about it and come back competitive, but... Duran, it seems like it may haunt him. Let, let me, this is this is not that it's going to affect anything that he does, but just this is how I view these things. It affects the one where the history weight weigh, weighs the most, and like it or not, the history the, who has the mo- most weight of history on his shoulders in that in that uh, 
duo is Durant. And it's going to weigh heavily on him because, let me tell you something, you could make an argument that they completely choked, particularly in Game 6. I mean, they definitely fumbled away. I mean, you had a 3-1 lead. you got to put it away. Do you, how, do you, how do you not? I mean, they had a 12-point lead in that game. And they had another 12-point lead in the Game 7. I, I just, I, you just, you can't choke away a game like that. And I think that that's, that's what they're going to look back on. And what happens is, fundamentally, I think that altered where Durant's going to go. I really think he's leaving now. It is kind of a funny thing that I've been thinking about with, with Oklahoma City is, all right, so, I mean, this team has been shuffling parts around KD and Westbrook for a number of years, right? And they're trying to find the right combinations. You know, they went through Derek Fisher, uh, Fabo Cephalosha. They had Harden. You know, they've had all these different pieces and players around these guys. And then it was like this year, it looks like they had it. And I'm trying to think, like, you know, ha- have Durant and Westbrook changed that much over the past couple of years? Or has that team just gotten better with more cohesiveness? I mean, they still had new pieces this year. Like, like what made them better? Especially in the playoffs, because in the regular season, I was worried about them. And then they come out in the playoffs, and, and that particular series against Golden State and played how you wanted them to play. Yeah, I, like, I agree. I agree. Like, like what? I, I, I don't think Durant and Westbrook have changed all that much. They're, they're still the same players. I think it's like the, the team around them and just it, – it, to me, it just kind of goes to show, like, when you're building a championship-level team, every piece is drastically important. Roberson was huge in that series. He was, but Until he also the last couple games. he also was the reason they were playing four on five on offense. Yeah, I mean he was just that bad on offense. And uh, the, controversially, I think their 2012 th- team was the best of the Thunder teams. Um, the one with Harden and where oh, they of course, yeah. where they went to. I mean that team was stacked with talent. And Harden was like obviously sacrificing some of his game to play within a team, which. Yes. As we saw with Carmelo when the Nuggets went to the Western Conference Finals, is something you have to do. You have yes. to sacrifice some individualness to greater for the greater good of the team. You know who that reminds me of? The Warriors. No, it reminds me of Kevin Love sacrificing what he did and He's basically awful. being completely ineffective. Yeah. How does how does you Ke- gotta trade him? Okay. <laughs> For anything. I mean, there's people who are wanting him in Denver. I no, please. But that's just my thing because I don't. I don't want to rush. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do do this right, don't don't go out and get Kevin Love, please. Just go go through the draft and and you know. Is he gonna do much for you when he plays 55, 60 games anyway? Yeah. You know, he's so. not. I mean, I I I think, but Love is so ineffective playing with LeBron and and Kyrie. That he's basically a minus for them now. Yeah. He's not contributing anything. So, and the and he, they on the the Warriors just put him in pick and rolls and things that he can't can't guard, and they expose his bad defense. So, when you sacrifice, you have to sacrifice, but still keep your strengths. Harden did with the 2012 uh, uh, Thunder, which was a really really good team, really young, good. exciting team. Yeah. <clears throat> 
young, and dumb. and now you got a, a a Cleveland team that's just like, I, man, Kyrie and LeBron scored eighty two points combined, eighty two points combined. And they needed to in Game Five, <laughs> and then you have and then you flip it and you look at the Warriors and you just to me, it's just one of those perfect teams where it's like every player steps up, every piece they have makes sense. I mean, Harrison Barnes, we're going to find out what Harrison Barnes is like next year when he's forced into a number one or two role with the Lakers, <laughs> you know, and they give him this contract. We're going to see, like, you know, it's not going to be good. Where he is now, perfect. He should sign for whatever they want to give him in Golden State to stay there and play on a really good team, make your money in endorsements somehow, some way. All these other guys do it, whatever. Uh, you know, Clay Thompson sacrifices aspects of his game. He could be a, a big time scorer if he, if they would have made that Minnesota trade, and he would have gone to to Minnesota, and Love would have gone to the Warriors. Yeah, Clay would be playing a completely different game, different role. Steph sacrifices his game on a nightly basis because he's drawing double teams. He's drawing, you know, I don't know how he's ever open. It surprises me when he's wide open for a three, and I'm like. Why would you leave him open? Yeah, and there's screens. They, they set a lot of illegal screens, but there is a... So many illegal screens. So many illegal screens. It's it's, everybody sets everyone's them. Everyone's. They are the, the officials in the NBA are so bad at but, officiating even, illegal screens. I, I texted this to you the other day. Imagine if they would have signed Dwight Howard in the 2013 offseason, and instead he goes to Houston, and they, you know... Sign Andre Iguodala almost as like a uh, we didn't get our prize we'll take Iguodala mm-hmm. who's the NBA Finals MVP last year who's getting some buzz somehow some way for Finals MVP this year. What? I was listening to it on podcast. I was like, Are these guys drunk or something? Le- LeBron scored forty one, <laughs> yeah, mostly on Iguodala in that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, are they? Oh, never mind. But Iguodala, he's played a, a good role for them, even though he still does those dumbass turnovers for no that reason. Behind the back pass on that break, he didn't want to go to the foul line. He knew if he went for a layup, he's going to the foul line. And hey, you know what he does there? I got, we got to credit our, free our buddy uh, Nate Timmons here for the hack a mole um, uh, expression because. No one said that before you, but... I would try it, too. Because you know what? And we both know Iguodala, and you, you talked to him far more than I did. He <laughs> he has a tremendous ego, and if you did that to him, it would completely throw him off. He would be so offended, it would just... it would. It would completely throw off his game. I'd like to see a team try it at some point. Just put him in the foul yeah. line like 20 times and see how he does. I'd love to see it. There was a game. Maybe, hit, maybe it's 70% of them because he just says F you. But. I vividly remember this. There was a game in 2013 where the Nuggets are playing the Pacers at home, and Iguodala missed like six free throws in a row. He missed them so badly, the rest of the players on the team started missing too. It was so bad. Contagious. <laughs> but it was, anyway, <laughs> it just. How, getting, how, how disgusting was that bogan injury? All of his injuries are disgusting. He really hurts himself well. <laughs> I mean, remember that? You wonder when he got injured uh, when he was in Milwaukee. He had that horrific, what was it, leg injury that just, oh. Did he shatter his wrist? Oh, he shattered his wrist, yeah. Oh, as well? It's just, it, he's had some disgustingly horrific injuries. I've always, I've never known what to think about him. I remember that back pick he sent against Iguodala in the playoffs that year. Rung his bell. Just clobbered Iguodala. And then 
he does uh, he does Bill Simmons' podcast a little while, a couple months ago or something, and he was awesome. I was like, oh, this guy's cool as shit, man. It's because he's Australian. And all those Australians, I guess they all uh, spent the All-Star weekend. They just rented a house together, like all the Australians in the NBA, and just went and hung out together. So Della Vadova. Uh, Patty Mills. Patty Mills. Uh, uh, dude, the place from Utah. Can't think of his name. Oh, uh, uh, um, yeah, the white guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, Utah and the white guy. I keep uh, wanting to say Joe Negan, but I know no, that's no, 100% No, no, no. He's the guy who was follically challenged, too. I, 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 I got to look him up. God, what, was that, what is that guy's name? Jazz. I want to say Innes, but it's not. It's Harrison's cursing right now because he's got his yeah, jersey his, on. Yeah, I know, right? No, he's got uh, he's got uh, Gordon Hayward's jersey on. Um, Where is he? What is that guy's name? Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, yes. God, Joe, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, yes. Maybe I was listening to a podcast with Joe Ingles, and he was talking about it. I think that's what it was. I think Ingles did Woj's podcast or something. Oh, did he? Why would he have Joe Ingles on? Yeah, favor to an agent to get more um, scoops, probably. probably. <laughs> <laughs> I probably just got blocked by Woj for saying that. Sorry, Woj. Don't block me. And you know what else is weird? When Woj does his podcast, he says, Welcome to the Vertical Podcast with Woj. It's like, I don't welcome you guys into this podcast and say, Hey, it's the uh, CSG Podcast with Tim's. Tim's. (laughs) Morty over here. You never call yourself by your own nickname. (laughs) You know? Although you did, did change your Twitter handle. I did change, yeah, I did change it to King of Thornton. Ah. And uh, you changed yours to the original name of Different Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. But anyway, we, we just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in this fight. I mean, the grand, the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter. The, the Warriors are going to win. They'll, they'll win in Game 7, I think. I want it to go Game 7 because that'll be as competitive as we can get. We may not have a close game, and it's but not damn gra- it, it's game seven. And it's not a great series. Yet the ratings are through the roof. So just like the NBA doesn't care. So it, uh, I mean, saw a kid the other day in a restaurant. with a, His dad was wearing uh, like a Bronco shirt or something, and the kid had a Golden State jersey on. Almost grabbed him and punched him in the face. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's only like 11, but he still deserves a sock right to the face. He should I have a Nuggets jersey on. So many bandwagon fans. But I, I, I was uh, a Bulls fan as a kid, so I should uh, hang my hey, head in shame. I, I still I, like the Nuggets I first. Went, I went against the grain, and I liked the Knicks. I was secondary a fan of that team. I was a secondary fan of the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wasn't going to wear a Bulls jersey around. I never owned a Bulls jersey. Mid- did I have some of their hats? Did I have a three-peat hat? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> did I wear it? No, I didn't. I used to have a John Starks jersey. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Your least favorite player. Did you miss a lot of stuff when you were wearing it? Like <laughs> the school bus just goes right by. You're like, oh, man, so, I just missed the bus. I tell you what, game seven of the 94 finals still hurts. Your test scores are just hurts. like plummeted. I got D's and F's <laughs> when I was wearing my Starks jersey. I don't get it. Yeah, but I was still dunking on Jordan. <laughs> uh. All right, so, yeah, the finals will wrap up. Uh, we'll probably get ready. We'll, next time we just talk, we'll be talking about the champion Gold State Warriors. Yes, we will. And for a reverse jinx, but I doubt it. So now we got to talk about the uh, NBA draft and our Denver Nuggets. The hometown Denver Nuggets. The hometown Denver Nuggets. We'll be, we'll be picking this up. I'm... Now, let me ask you a question. We don't know what time the draft is, but we know it's next Thursday. <laughs> we just spent about five minutes before this podcast started trying to figure out when the... Uh, NBA.com doesn't list the time. Uh, I have no idea when it's Very frustrated. Um, yeah, and I'm going to be there at Pepsi Center, and I have no idea when it starts. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> um, just but, show up. Yeah. Pepsi Center's always open. This is, this is kind of my question. The Nuggets have the seventh pick in a... 
uh, iffy draft. Like, I can't say it's terrible, but it's not great. They have the seventh pick in an iffy draft. If it was general manager Nathan Timmons, Esquire, what would you do with that seventh pick? Trade whatever I needed to for the third pick, draft Mom Murray, win a championship in 2018. <laughs> Let me let me introduce You'd be you to a new fired next year. Let me introduce you to a new <laughs> phrase that's going to catch the NBA by storm. It used to be, it used to be different. It used to involve Monta Ellis, but now it's going to be Jamal Have It All. Jamal Have It All. I don't know anybody that says anything bad about this guy. Get a clue. This guy's amazing. Yeah, he has it all. He's Canadian. He played in Kentucky. He shoots threes. That's all you need to do in the NBA. Let me ask you phase. something. What's with all the Canadians? I have no idea, but they're going to have an incredible. I've been saying it. They're going to have an incredible Olympic team at some point in the next couple of years. So you got Wiggins. You got uh, who else is Canadian? Andrew Nicholson. Andrew Nicholson. You got uh, Corey Joseph. Uh, Stoskis. Tristan Thompson. Corey uh, Joseph. Tristan Thompson. And then you know, uh, Anthony Bennett. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying Clay Bennett. Clay Bennett. <laughs> Might as well. Whoever. It was probably just been as effective as, as uh, Anthony Bennett was. Um, really, Tony Bennett? Would you, would, you, would you trade up for the third pick? I mean, probably not. Is, is it, does it seem worth it in this draft? No. It, uh, you know, okay, so one and two. I don't even know how much better of a prospect Brandon Ingram is than these other guys. I mean, I, I like him a lot. I think he'd be absolutely perfect for Denver with where – you know, Danilo Gallinari's career may be in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, where Wilson Chandler could potentially be. I, I, I do think, though, if Chandler's on the team, he's obviously perfect off the bench. So if you had Ingram, you could s- potentially start him. Uh, so, I mean, okay, so throw those two guys out, uh, Simmons and Ingram. Even though Jalen Brown did get worked out with the Sixers and said, hey, they might be considering me with that number one pick, you know. You never know what Colangelo may do. do you think he would have taken Simmons. Colangelo, who knows? Did you see that report that came out today that he's a bit arrogant? Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown. Okay, don't like, draft that guy. Well, actually, maybe draft him. You need arrogant you need assholes. arrogant guys. Come on. That's, you, that's, that's, that's trying to win championships or are you trying to play for banners, you know? We yeah. want titles. I don't want, I don't want a guy who's humble. What do you think of, uh, before we get... Too far into it. What do you think of Josh and Stan being at uh, the finals game in Cleveland? They, they looked a little uh, bewildered. They looked uh, sad, just yeah, like the other did. fans. Uh, but like, we but wanted I to see our boys, LeBron and Kevin, play well, and they didn't. You know, I, I, he, Josh had a different look on his face when uh, they were all heading out for LeBron's uh, birthday party. But don't was, know if Josh went to that, but <laughs> they were definitely hanging out after the game. Yes, they were. But it was, uh, you know, they were fine. I mean, uh, I think it's okay to have friends in the league. Sure. It's, but, I mean, they did look a little so anyway. disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're rooting for Cleveland, I guess. I, 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 you sent me this picture. I had no idea they were there because I had checked out of the game by that point. Yeah, it was showing the distraught Cleveland fans, and I was laughing at this one guy's pain. And I looked up, and I was like, holy shit, that's Josh. That's and I rewound it, and I was like, oh, that's Stan, Stan with him, too. And I'm looking at this picture, screen capture you sent me, and I'm like, boy, they both look like they've been drugged. <laughs> they the, they look like they've watched their favorite team lose. I know. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> Come on, guys. But, uh, all right, so, I mean, all right, so whoever you get. What would Nate do? In between three and seven, I think it's such a crapshoot with the prospects even though I favor Jamal Murray, and then I, I probably go Jamal Murray, Dragon Bender. Um, 
I might go Buddy Heald. I can't believe that uh, Marquise Chris has worked his way into this top seven conversation. It's crazy to me. Well, can you believe that Jalen Brown has? Yeah, because he was he was kind of always there. I think, but he was um, he wasn't that high. Yeah, he was always kind of he was always around. Was he seven? around was, seven? Was he seven? He was he kind of between like five and ten. I think. Okay, but you never quite know. But but if you but if you were like all right. Jalen Brown's my least favorite out of the bunch. He's my least favorite just because the Nuggets need shooting, and he does nothing to help you shoot. Now, yeah. he may do something to help you in the future, but he does nothing to help you actually address a need. Now, you get in trouble when you start addressing needs in a draft. You should always go with best player available. Right. But at this point, I don't know if it makes a lot of a, a sense to invest in a, a Jalen Brown. And I don't know if it may, would make sense to, to draft Dragon Bender either if, if he somehow slips to seven, but I also can't justify passing on him. Best player available. You know, depending on who else might be there. But, I mean, if, if Jalen Brown and Marquise Chris somehow sneak in to the top six, uh, just like we saw Willie Cauley-Stein do last year, and that allows somebody to once again fall to the Nuggets, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty incredible. Depending on who it is, um, I'm, I'm skeptical of Buddy Heald. Uh, you know, that jump, I, I'll reference this. I've referenced this a few times. but So we've seen Will Barton. We've seen C.J. McCollum make these leaps in the NBA. You know, and to me, Buddy Heald's jump from his freshman, sophomore, junior seasons to what he did his senior season, maybe that's just natural progression of a guy that finally started having some things click. I'm thinking about the new job that I just started. I had something major click uh, yesterday and then today, and it's completely helped me out. And it's like, yeah. maybe that just happens. Maybe it's just natural progression and Buddy's going to be just fine. But uh, I saw somebody had tweeted today, like, why would the Nuggets you know, consider like a, a Timothy Luwawu over a Buddy Heald? I mean, Buddy's a known quantity. It's like, no, he is not a known quantity at all. Just no. because you saw him play in the tournament don't mean shit. This is true. We don't know how he's going to translate the NBA level. There's nothing to tell us that he's going to be successful in the NBA at all. I hope he is. I hope he has a great career. And if he does, I hope it's in Denver, you know. But I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm. Who else is in that little range? I'm trying to... Luwawa and... Uh, I don't think Luwawa is in the seven no, range. he's, 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 he's lower... Um, Chris is the one who's Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Okay, now about. he's the he's Love the Chris wild Dunn. card, and well, there's like a bunch of wild cards. There's yeah. Dunn, Jalen Brown, and Marquise Chris. Total I was wild cards. I was convinced before the draft order came down that if Jamal Murray gets drafted sixth by the Pelicans, I'm going to smash my head into a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just throw that. I'm going there. to. There's a lot of brick walls around Pepsi Center, so if you're there, I will. We'll have to put some padding. <laughs> those are those are cinder blocks. <laughs> I will smash my head to a cinder block. If he if he goes three, four, or five, I'm somewhat okay with it. If he goes six, I'm smashing my head into a wall. Okay, so who's the one that will jump? Is it Jalen Brown? <laughs> I mean, it's it's Chris. It's Marquise Do you Chris's. think he will he will take that because in a lot of the top teams have worked out who have not worked out but I mean they've they've taken a look at Jalen Brown. Yeah. So do you think that I think Jalen Brown is the biggest candidate to fall. Really? 
I have no reason why I'm saying that, but that's what I think. I actually do. I, I think that his lack of shooting could cause him to mysteriously fall for some unknown reason of just teams being like, eh, maybe we like this guy slightly better. I don't mind his demeanor. I all that other stuff, but I, I'm scared of someone who can't shoot. And it's like I And he might be able to shoot at some point. He might be fine. He maybe, maybe. Justice Winslow showed some promise as a shooter um with Miami, but you know, it's again it's like, okay, how many guys you're depending on Gary Harris, Moutier, Will Barton, and potentially uh Jamal or Jalen Brown to all get it as shooters. Suddenly start I mean I'm 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 hesitant on surrounding Emmanuel Moutier with non-shooters. Let me just let's narrow it down to that. Moutier is going to have a str- He's never going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent shooter. He can improve his touch, but I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent shooter. If you're going to have someone like that in the NBA that's changed, that really devalues that sort of, you know, you're going to have to either shoot or score at a high volume, you're going to have to surround him with shooters. And I, it, I just can't see them surrounding him with a guy like Jalen Brown who has questionable shooting. I yeah. it just it, it I don't think it makes sense specifically in light of them like later 14 15 maybe there's some shoot better actual shooters at the wing position available there rather than investing in uh the someone at the same position in in uh Brown I, I, I just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it seems, it seems like wasting a pick. So then let's 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 look at it this way. Let's say, in some order, let's say the order plays out: Simmons, Ingram, Heald, Chris, Murray, Bender, and suddenly it's Chris Dunn that's waiting there at number seven that you hasn't been picked. You take Dunn. Yeah, you don't pass him up for Paul Klee's guy, Domitas Sabonis. There's no reason Sabonis should be taken that high. Or the guy that you saw work out today, uh, Deonta Davis. No, no I, way. I'm probably butchering these guys' names. No, I'm sorry, guys. No way. How is he slated to go 10th, Davis? I, I, I don't know. He's only a freshman. He's got I mean, big size. He's probably got some upside, but that's not what the Nuggets need. Um, but, um, you know, I, I would take Chris Dunn. He's the best player available at that point. You stick to that. So that that mantra, even though you have Moutier, I've, I've I've thought Chris Dunn something about his game, his inside the art game, reminds me of Dwayne Wade. The way he it, it kind of reminds me of Dwayne Wade and Russell Westbrook in a sense. I'm not saying that he is those guys, but just the way he kind of attacks the basket, like he doesn't like Wade didn't always have to play above the rim, you know. And he had these little this floater game and these leaning layups, and Dunn has that stuff. And he also has a little bit of above, above the rim game. There's there's some relentlessness that reminded me of some of what Westbrook does, and you know I like his attacking ability. His three point shot is weird looking, but I don't really care about form as long as it goes in. And to me, I thought about playing him at two guard. I mean, you have another undersized guy. He's listed at six four. Yeah. Is he really six four? You know, do you want to play that small in your backcourt? Do you want to have you know two potential point guards back there? What do you do with Gary Harris? Does Dunn come off the bench for a while? I, but I, I like the pairing of Chris Dunn. I've, I've thought about it, oh, man, like a month or two months ago, and we were really starting to look at these prospects. Yeah. 
I wouldn't mind his fit. I think if he is our seven, like you said, you take him under best player available. I mean, all right. James Harden, when he came into the league, he was a two. And he still is a two. But he could handle the ball. If Dunn can ha- shoot consistently enough, you can have him as a secondary ball handler. And it would open up a lot of different things uh, on with the Nuggets if they were able to do that sort of thing. I don't. I mean, he wouldn't be my first option, obviously, because I think I, I, the Nuggets need to be. He's, more he's kind of the but. guy. I think that if he's at seven, you're kind of like uh, we kind of begrudgingly take him. You kind of have to. But then if it's, I mean, if it's healed, Chris. Murray, Bender, I really thought they were going to be able to get Chris at 15. If uh, that kid from Cal wouldn't have pulled out of the draft, he might have still been in there with him. I don't know. Whatever. But, you know, with any of those other guys, Heald, Chris, Murray, Bender, I think you're pretty set. You take whoever you get there. Although Bender, I'm kind of back and forth on him where it's like, you know, we have Nurkic and Jokic. That's probably enough, right? I I, I don't know enough about him. I, I'll be I'll be honest. There are others who know quite a bit more about him than I do, and I, I, I don't know. I, I he looks like a guy who can fit in the modern NBA. He looks like a guy who's more of a versatile defender than he is an offensive player. To me, yeah. to, that's to my to my mind's eye. That's what he looks like. He's trying to become a better shooter. He he has three point range. Uh, from what Sam Vecini to him on his podcast, you know he's not. The most explosive guy vertically, but he's very good laterally on defense. Can you know guard and pick and roll situations really well. Guard smaller guys, so he'd be he'd be interesting to me as well. Um, again, I'm hoping somehow, some way that that Murray falls to seven. Although, I mean, there's 99.9 percent chance that that does not happen. Who do you think is going to take him? <laughs> uh, do you think the Pelicans would take him over uh, Heald? I think Boston's in the mix. Um, I don't think Phoenix is in the mix because of Devin Booker. I think Boston, Minnesota, and New Orleans could all use him. Even though I think that uh, our guy, Zach Levine, is a better shooting guard, but Zach Levine also might be, and Jamal Murray might be a really good guy off the bench, or Levine could probably potentially be off the bench as well. So mm. I think you're probably okay either way there. I would take Levine over... Most of the other guys. Murray's only listed at six four two. Point. He's listed as a point guard, shooting guard. Yeah, that's. God, you know the Nuggets really need a taller too. I know. If you had Iguodala's size at two, I'd love that having an oversized two. Well, yeah, that's what made the defend. Nuggets so lethal in two thousand twelve and thirteen. And James Harden hated playing against Iguodala. Oh yeah, he torched him. Well, it's just like the Nuggets had him at a two, and they had Gallo at a three, and it just made the team so long. I'll and tell you what, though, if if Denver, sorry, go ahead, finish your point. I, I, I just saw a name on here. I got all excited. No, go ahead. <laughs> if Denver passes on Denzel Valentine at fifteen, I'm going to smash my head into a cinder block wall at Pepsi Center. <laughs> well, that's, that's if they have if they go ahead and pick those. Yeah, I just I think that I mean obviously, you know, as you as you get into looking at that second pick for Denver. Uh, you know, you're looking at Timothy Luawu, who the Nuggets are going to bring in for a workout uh, tomorrow. Is that right? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
uh, he'll be here for that. Uh, supposedly, they might be able to get a workout with this uh, Furkan Korkmaz as well, mm-hmm. whatever his name is. Um, and I don't know about Luwawu. I think he's. I think he might want to come over this year uh, with Korkmaz. I, I think he may stay overseas mm-hmm. for at least a year or so, and that may be where Denver's leaning. But honestly, Denzel Valentine would be exactly what Michael Malone wants. He's a senior. He can come in and play right away. Defensive-minded guy. Good shooter. Big guy, you know, 6'5", uh, 210 pounds. More of your prototypical shooting guard that I think after you draft him would make a player like Will Barton expendable if you found or, – or you could slide Barton down to small forward, you know, but then you have Chandler there too. I just – I think Denzel Valentine is your, is your guy at 15 – even if you traded 15 and 19, I don't know how the hell they do it. Well, they well, need to draft Valentin. Well, the Nuggets have five picks. Obviously, two of those picks will be, if they keep them in the second rounders, they'll be Europeans who they will stash. Because I don't think they, they don't have to trade up to get Valentin. He's not slated to go until in between 15 and 20. So Yeah. I, I mean, they don't have to trade uh, up. Um it depends on if they see someone they really like. You know, and they think, and they think someone is, <laughs> if they think a, a, a late lottery team is going to get them first, right? Then I can see them like packaging and then moving ahead. But the only thing with that is, if you if you traded fifteen and nineteen and moved up to twelve, thirteen, or fourteen, then you're just paying more money for a guy. You know? This is true. <laughs> not this a, is true. Not a ton more. Not a ton. I mean, a little bit. Once you get into the teens, it's it's. A ba- Six and one, half dozen the other. You know, and then you sell your nineteenth pick to whoever for a future first round pick, and then you just roll the dice on it. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this because what if you traded seven, fifteen, and nineteen to New Orleans for six if Jamal Murray was there? Couldn't New Orleans use three picks? Their team sucks. Wouldn't you rather have a rookie than Luke Babbitt? But aren't they trying to, I mean, get veterans on this team to surround Anthony Davis with? Yeah, it's stupid, though. Oh, well, they should yes, follow my plan. <laughs> follow the Tim's plan. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why you would do that unless, I mean, if New Orleans wasn't totally in love with a guy. I mean, and why would you trade three picks for to move up a spot or two for a guy? I don't know. I'm just like you. I'm trying to figure out what are they going to do with five picks, you know? Well, two of them are second rounders, so those are kind of like it's almost like you don't have them. Right. You know, you, I'm, I'm sure Rafi Juke has a binder somewhere with some player he's been dying. You know, I, I saw to him get the Nuggets to draft. I saw him at the workout today. I was like, you who's, know, your, "Who's your guy in the second round?" Rough, Ruff? Ruff, just uh, <laughs> you know, tell me, tell me who you guys are going to get. But who are you going to lobby for, Ruff? <laughs> yes. Who are you lobbying for? <laughs> but there is a, there is, the Nuggets are in a weird, weird position. They're not in a terrible one. They're not great. This is it's such a Nuggets thing to have too many picks in an off draft. I mean, that's such so Nuggets. But they can turn this into something that is okay. I don't think they're in a terrible position at seven. I don't see them moving. There's just no incentive for them to move. Did you like any of these other guys that you got to see, like Bryce Johnson in North Carolina? Uh, I didn't see Bryce Johnson. I did like Wade Baldwin, Henry Ellison. Wade Baldwin was the one that impressed me. Well, Baldwin's back. I mean, he's a, uh, what, second rounder? Where is he projected? Uh, he's late first. 
looking at a random site. I see him here on NBADraft.net, which I know wasn't going to play sound, so I pulled it up. They have Wade Baldwin at 34. Really? Yeah. Man, I thought he was late first. I, that, I, he, I liked I mean, him. 34. He's got tremendous length. If you're listed at 34, you could go anywhere from, like, 25 yeah. to 50. <laughs> I mean, unless you're... We saw with Will Barton. I mean, Will Barton was slated to go, and he was angry he didn't go where Fournier went at 20. You can watch the video. He's pissed off when Fournier gets drafted. Uh, and he doesn't go until 40 then. You know, I mean, some. I mean, this, the ranges get get really hard to predict later in these rounds, well, obviously. And Lawalu jumped way down to twenty seven on this board. Yeah, NBA Draft dot is garbage. <laughs> well, I think. Just pull up Draft Express. Nah, they're bought and paid for by the agents. I ain't listening to those guys. Just kidding. I love Draft Express. I'm gonna go there right now. <laughs> well, they did have they, they, they did have, have Marquise Chris coach. up at three. Did you see that? Yeah, they always have somebody mm-hmm. random way high. Yeah, they every do. Year. They, they they do. <laughs> Which is, I mean, hey, you got to go with what you've been told, right? I mean, you, you go with what you hear. Yeah. And if there's teams that are lobbying for him, then you got to put them up there. Or if you believe that's where he is, that's where he is. They had the Nuggets taking Chris Dunn, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, no matter how it plays out, they got to do something with five picks, whether it's, you know, uh, against Michael Malone's wishes of drafting one or two or three guys. Or whatever you got to do. You got to do what's best for your team and yeah. whoever you, th- you think is the best fits. Well, I mean, sometimes you try to make a deal and there's none to be had. Let's witness the Boston Celtics last year who ended up having to draft Terry Rozier. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Henry Ellison? Uh, he was he was good. I, he, he Did he have any personality when he got to talk to A little bit, a little bit. Did these guys have personality this year, or are they pretty uh, coached up? Um, Deontay Davis. I think I'm feeling good here. They like to get up and down. I like to get up and down. You know, they shoot the ball. I like to shoot the ball. I know this team needs shooters. Met the coach. He's a defensive first. He works to work hard. I like to work hard. I work hard seven days a week, and at the end of the day, it's a business. I'm going to work hard. Uh, (laughs) That's basically it. There's a lot of hard working hard. There's a lot of just bringing my game. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I just do what I do. Um, there's a lot of all of that. So what do you think of Denver so far? Oh, man, I just got to the hotel. I had to go to sleep. Woke up, got here. It's all kind of a blur. I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know where I just came from. <laughs> Crazy to be here. Going to be happy to get drafted. At the end of the day, it's just a business. Happy to be here. I heard a lot of, oh, man, all I did was I just, I just got to the hotel, and then I just came to the arena, and I just work. I just work. That's all I do. And then it's like. Come on, man! Just, just give me, give me something. I had a good talk with uh, Mike Mascala when he worked out. We talked about the Fast and the Furious for a while. He's a big Fast and Furious fan. I can see that from him. And yes. he likes uh, Will Ferrell as well. So we talked a little Will Ferrell movies. Son, it's like your your, your dream player. I, mean, I was lobbying for Donald <laughs> <Jackson>. <laughs> Yes, you were. <laughs> uh, they, um, uh, I, there hasn't been obviously these guys get with these agents. Henry Ellison was okay. Um, you don't. We don't get to see as much as we used to. Um, so I just got to talk to him. Uh, his favorite player is Mello. Ugh, don't draft that guy. <laughs> Ball hog. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, we were ta- I, I don't know how aware he was that, Denver, that he played in Denver. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so Carmelo, yeah, the Knicks, man, they stole him in the draft, didn't they? What? The, and, and Ellison was a guy that said, oh, man, a lot. 
Were you there for the Tyler Eulis workout? I was. Were you taller than Tyler Eulis? Uh, he was basically the same size as me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm short. He's like 5'9", 150 pounds. Yeah, he's not 5'9". He ain't going to make it in the league at 150 pounds. He, he was basically my, my height, and I'm 5'7". So let's just... He's let's, in trouble. Let's just throw that out there. I mean, unless you're... you're uh, um, Earl Boykins or Spud Webb. And he had said that uh, a player had told him that there wasn't much to do in Denver? Yes, he did say that. There's not, nothing to do in Denver when you're dead. That's what Andy Garcia used to say. <laughs> Things to do in Denver when you're dead. Uh, who told him that? I, I, I have speculations, but... Uh... <laughs> Who's in Denver right now? Just Wilson. I've seen Barton's been in But Wilson out wouldn't say bit. that. Wilson loves Denver. No, Wilson likes Denver. Probably some young player on the team that uh, I, I would think Toxins so. kids. I think it would be Moutier, a Harris. I think it would be a very young player, very young player. Yeah, uh, somebody keeps in contact with these young whippersnappers. Very young American player. Probably spends a lot of time in Texas. <laughs> probably wasn't Jokic. No. And uh, I think that you know, listen, when you're when you're 19 and you know you're looking I to come into what, a city. I mean, what uh, do what do guys want out of a city? A city is what you make it. Right, I mean, I mean, home is where the heart is, Jeff. What, what if you were drafted? I mean, no offense to the people of Milwaukee. What if you, you were drafted by the Bucks? I'll tell you what, though, and this is—I think this is a true statement. Uh, if I am Moutier, Gary Harris, Jokic, Nurkic, Will Barton, uh, and I play here in Denver uh, last year in front of nobody, you know, in front of a handful of people in a giant empty arena, and Going into this season, depending on what the team does, attendance is probably not going to skyrocket. I think you've got to start thinking at some point in time, like, hey, man, what the hell am I doing here? Why would I want to re-sign and bring this town a championship that doesn't even come support this team? That's been the hard thing because you and I were there a lot of games last year, and sometimes it was just bleak in there. It was just – and it doesn't help that Pepsi Center is just huge. It is huge, and when there's not a lot of people there, you can just feel it. And it's you just look up, and there's just no one there. You can't hide it. And then when you play, like, the Lakers and the whole arena is Lakers fans, you're like, damn, I wish the Lakers would have drafted me. I think if you ask the players, that's what bugged them more than the lack of people there. You know, the fans wouldn't, when they were there, they wouldn't cheer. I mean, sometimes some games were okay. Like towards the end of the year, some, some games got pretty fun. Some, but no, I mean, I would say maybe there was five games this last year where the atmosphere was great. Yeah, and I mean, the, honestly, the Lakers were so fun because it was Kobe's farewell tour. Like, let's see how the Lakers' attendance does the next couple of years and what they do as a team the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, they've had Kobe since '96. Yeah, so I yeah exactly. But it's just to Good me, point. it's like, man, I hope that fans come back. I hope that it all works out. I hope the team does better so that the fans get interested, and I hope the fans stay interested. And I would just like to see these this team get the support that hopefully they will deserve because I, I, I love this group of guys. I mean, it's a lot of, to use a cliche, hardworking guys or guys that just are, are seem like generally good dudes, you know? You know, in ni- the late 80s, but when the Nuggets were being sold by Sidney Schlanker, when the, their owners took over, one of the first things they had to do was improve the atmosphere because it had to, it, one thing the, the Nuggets as an organization and doesn't matter which owner has owned them has been historically bad at is entertaining people. The, the Nuggets were always really bad at it, in-game entertainment and, and providing an atmosphere that was like 
was like too All much. All that stuff. I, I, I love Kyle Spelter, but I hate yeah. the... Yeah! <laughs> it's like, tone some of that stuff down, right? Like, I love the games that they'll play, like, with people mm. on the court. Like, let's just have free throw shooting contests and three-point shooting yeah. contests. It's a basketball game. We don't yeah. need to have, like sumo suit wrestling contests and cakewalks and it's like dude play basketball games you know and you don't need all this weird crap it's gonna be there but the, big, the biggest stroke of brilliance the nuggets did in the early 90s when paul westhead was here yeah! was create rocky and rocky has been the most consistent part of the nuggets organization since then yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sounding like James Hetfield. Yeah, he has. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sounding like James Hetfield here. Sorry, Kyle Spiller. I love Kyle Spiller. He's a great guy. I like, I like Kyle. You see him walking around the arena when we get there. Um, it's just, to me, there's any NBA arena, really. I mean, I thought that I still say my best experience going to a game was in Golden State. or And then Oklahoma City is probably number two. Uh, Denver, three. And Phoenix, four out of the four arenas I've been to. See, I remember Denver wasn't even that good when like we were winning fifty-seven games. Yeah, it was bad that year. I remember Gallo trying to implore, imploring, and they're playing the freaking Spurs, and yeah. he's imploring the crowd to, to get up. Dude, there's like, just this ah. sense in Golden State where the crowd just knows when to cheer. Like, oh, uh, I've probably said this on the podcast before. Golden State's up, or they're down. Let's say fifteen. And they hit a three, and the crowd starts to kind of come alive a little bit. And then they hit a two, and they're down. God, my math sucks. They're down ten now, and the crowd's, like, up. And they're cheering. It's like the rest of the way they're on their feet going nuts, and that's what brings the team. It feels like that's what brings the team back from a ten-point deficit to taking the lead. You know, it just yeah. feels like that crowd just they're behind them, goes with them, and it's like just pushing them with their chest. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, I mean, you saw it. I think we saw it too when when Chandler and Gallo played for the Knicks that year. I mean, mm-hmm. that Knicks crowd was insane. I remember. You remember that game you and I were watching? Okay, this is some in, insider information here. Before the Nuggets traded uh, Carmelo Anthony, Nate and I were watching. It was an ESPN game. Uh, the Knicks versus the Boston Celtics. It does not sound like insider information. This is not really insider, but insider between the two of us. And we were, he and I were watching this, and I think I called you or whatever. And we were talking about the players we wanted on the Knicks. Yeah. But I remember being struck at how good the Madison Square Garden crowd was. Amazing crowd. It was really good. Yeah. And they were just, like, into it and behind the team. And, and that was my lingering impression of that game outside of us watching. I mean, I remember I remember saying I like Danilo Gallinari. And then you were like, yeah, I like that Wilson Chandler guy. And then there was Landry Fields. I didn't Fields say I liked him. I loved Wilson loved, Chandler. Loved Wilson Chandler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it's like it, – but it was a good crowd, and they were behind the team. And it's really been disappointing to me that even the last mellow years – I mean, the last mellow year – it was just lifeless. It was the, lifeless in there. I drove around yesterday. Uh, I went with a buddy that just bought a new house, and we helped him move a couple of things in. And driving through his neighborhood, it's a very, very, very nice neighborhood. Like, almost every house had a basketball hoop. And I was like, and nice ones, like those, like, real hoops. <laughs> ones I never had as no, a kid, I, for I, sure. No, I had a plank of wood and a hoop. Yeah, I had a piece of crap. uh thing for a while i don't know but anyway i'm just i was kind of like holy shit like 
almost, I think almost every single house has a basketball hoop. It's like, that's kind of cool. It's, mm-hmm. I don't really remember seeing that in Denver all that much. Like, a lot of houses have them, but not like every house. And yeah. I was like, man, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's, even though it's the Warriors right now or whatever, I mean, anything that is drawing more people to the NBA, I'm cool with. Like, I love basketball. I think I want to pick back up at some point here. This is going to depress people. I think all the Nuggets need is a star. Yeah, and people come it's back. a star league, man. As soon, as, you, as soon as you get somebody that really starts to take off, it'll when be Mel, When Melo came, it changed. Okay, uh, people don't want to acknowledge it because they have bad feelings about Melo. But when Melo got here, the atmosphere at Pepsi Center completely changed. And unfortunately, out of these seven guys in the draft, the one guy that Denver could draft to where you might see an uptick in interest is Buddy Heald. Yeah, you're right. And it's just it's just the the college basketball theory of yep we know this guy yeah we saw him in the tournament yep he kicked ass he I was the story all year he's the most famous college player there is I mean w- would the hype around Melo be as good if the Syracuse didn't win the national championship the year before he came to Denver I would almost say that Buddy Hield is more known than Ben Simmons I would say that yeah. to casual fans yeah no I completely agree with that because they saw him in the tournament and they didn't see Ben Simmons they saw Ingram in the tournament. You know, yeah, I don't think Ingram's that exciting either. For I mean, he's not, and I really worry about his body. But yeah, he'll be fine. He looks like you know a stiff breeze will break him. <laughs> Can't he's too strong. So it, it's there's a lot of dip. I mean, we've kind of gone on a tangent here, but I mean, it's like people are expecting miracles, and there's not going to be a miracle. Yeah, um, probably not. Um. People are expecting something that is just not going to happen. We don't have – the Nuggets are not in that position right now. If even – I mean, last year would have been the year people get really excited about a draft pick. This year, it's just – there's just not going to be anyone there. And it's a two-person draft. So you just kind of have to continue to build. And hopefully you start winning. Yeah, and one, two, or three of these other guys that are drafted in the first round outside the top two – We'll probably have better careers than the guys taking one and two. We're just they're not going to have the hype coming into it that yeah. you know you have some years. Even the old Moutier last year, I mean, it's a hell of a pick. But the fact that he didn't play college basketball, I think, really hurt his popularity. And there was no hype for Moutier. Yeah, he's going to have to build back up at some point. I mean, if they had, if they had drafted, um, if they had drafted Willie Cauley Stein. Would nah. the hype have been any better? No. Nah. I don't think so. Who, who went five? Hazonia? No. Not, it wouldn't no. have been Hazonia. I would have been happy, but that been, been, I would have been the only one in Denver. Uh, who went four? Can't remember. Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Oh, yeah, Porzingis. And then three was Okafor. Actually, I think Two if they drafted Porzingis, people would have got behind him. I mean, remember, this first couple months... Yeah, maybe. He was just doing all those wicked put-back dunks and... Firing people up and all that stuff. It, it, he definitely, probably, I think, would have created a little buzz, but there wouldn't have been any buzz following him in the, into uh, yeah, that season. Not. Not certainly here. not. I mean, there, there, it would have been like, well, who's the first pick? Carl Anthony Towns? If the Nuggets got Towns, people would have been apeshit. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just, just, it just is the way it is. So the Nuggets are kind of stuck with what they do. And they're going to have to deal with another uh, season of down attendance. 
until they start winning midway through the year, hopefully, or B, they just you know continue to build, and hopefully the next year they get a better player. You know? Yeah. Let's go quickly, uh, discuss thoughts quickly on Mike D'Antoni in Houston. Okay, yeah, you had some thoughts on this. I just think it's interesting. I wasn't quite sure he'd ever get another chance in the league, and I was kind of surprised it was with Houston. Uh, and Maury addressed this on Wojnowski's podcast where he basically or he just flat out said, you know, we had talked about we needed to get our defense better, and people assumed that meant we were going to hire like a defensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. But even though we hired D'Antoni, we still need to get it better. And then for the defensive guru, they hired Jeff Buzdelic away from the Grizzlies. Ah, Coach Buzz. And Buzz gets, you know, the same thing as, you know, he was a former head coach at, at the college level with Denver, with Denver and then in college. Uh, where he was basically run out of town in Wake Forest. They hated him there. But uh, he's one of those guys, I think, that was uh, made to be an assistant, right? Like, yes. He's not a real – he's not an NBA head coach, brilliant NBA assistant. He's going to be charged with uh, making a defensive team in Houston for whatever they do. But I, I just don't know what Houston's going to be able to do with D'Antoni and Harden without a point guard like Steve Nash. That's kind of the same question, right? Like you don't – I don't know. I'm interested to see how it works because I don't think it will work. Although I really like D'Antoni a lot. Okay, well, uh, let me let me ask you this. What if they just permanently give up the ghost and put Harden at point guard? Right. At that point, you're like, he handles the ball all the time anyway. We've admitted it. Just make him the point. That and let's frees find you a, up a better to get shooting guard. A better two. They, it frees you up to get a shooting two. If they do that, and you're honestly, like, well, defensively, he can't guard gone. point guards. Well, guess what? He doesn't defend anyway, so it doesn't matter who he's on. And Dwight Howard, we know, is gone. There's no way he's resigned. <laughs> yeah, even though Maury gave the uh, uh, the faked. Oh, I mean, we're gonna try to bring him back. You know, we're gonna talk to him. He's gonna talk to us. Sure he is. Conversations will be had. Yeah. It'll be more more along the lines Tea of... Tea will be drinking. <laughs> it'll be more along the lines of Dwight saying, uh, screw you. Yeah. I played with this guy in L.A. And Houston giving guys. him the bird, like, get out of here. Yeah, and basically. Nobody, yeah. It's a yeah. good breakup. Yeah. What did you think of that hiring, though? You like it? Um, I think I, in, a, in a certain way it makes sense, in a certain way it doesn't. Um. I don't think the point guard issue is as big a deal as what people think. I, I think that the NBA has kind of evolved since Steve Nash has left. Steve Nash did, was capable of scoring, but he was, he was in equal part a distributor. At, right now in the NBA, your distributors and people who get assists Actually, it's spread out. You don't have one person getting 25 assists anymore. You know, even Russell Westbrook, who racks up triple doubles, only gets about 10 assists when he gets it, 10 or 12 assists. That's it. You don't have a assist, 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 assist. You don't have Fat Lever getting 25 assists in a game. Yeah, you just need a guy that can run the offense you want. Yeah. So I think it can work. Um, I think unless they have an Amari Stoudemire... I don't think it's going to work. And yeah. I think that's the key more than Harden because they've got that pretty much sewn up. And even though, like, I mean, Maury was trying to say, like, we feel like we have a lot of pieces that already work with D'Antoni, I don't think that's true at all. No. I think they, 
you know, I mean, Corey Brewer is not who he once was. Uh, I don't even know who else is on their team. Pat Beverly, how does he fit in the mix? You know, maybe he does, but... Pat Beverly is just a defensive player. I mean, he's, he's not even a passer. And they don't have... I don't know what they're going to do. They got a lot of... I mean, Trevor Ariza, he's nothing special. I, I think that they're really far away. I think they're going to find out next season, depending on what they do. If they stand fairly pat this off season, they're going to find out that they're a lot further away than they think they are. Because I think they're going to take a, a, an even bigger step back next year unless they address major issues with that roster. Yeah, the funny thing is they gave up that first-round pick to the Nuggets in the Ty Lawson trade, thinking that they would never uh, have to... It would be a late, late first-round pick because of how good they were the year before. Yeah. And then it ends up being, like, just above the lottery. There's some useful players right in there, too, that they could take, so whatever. All right, buddy. That's about all I got. That's all I got. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get out of here. We're running about an hour and 15. Not bad. Not bad. All right. And we'll hopefully be back soon. And uh, see you later. Yeah, we're going to talk some TV stuff, but there's just no time. There's just no Give me one shout on one show you're watching, if you like. Um, The Warwicker Trilogy. It's a series that... uh, Warwicker? Warwicker. With Bill Nagy. uh, is, is this going for hard to pronounce names? Nike, Nike. He was. Uh, have you seen the movie? Um, uh, well, he was the bad guy in the first Underworld movies. Uh, I've seen those. I'd have to see his face too. Jockey he was in. Man. He was in. Uh, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Yes. He played the stepfather of Shaun of. Okay. Don't remember who that was. Okay. He <laughs> <laughs> was also. Well, anyway, uh, really good actor. Um, and in one of the one of the episodes, Christopher Walken's in it, and like uh, Helena Bonham Carter. What is this on? Uh, actually, it's on Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. And uh, it is excellent. It is really, really good. It's kind of a spy thing, but it's 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 really good. It's excellent. It's, a, it's some of the best television I've seen in a long time. Somebody's got that Amazon Fire Stick thing or whatever. Maybe we can watch it on there. I'll have to check it out. You don't have Prime? Warwicker. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I guess I could just watch it myself. <laughs> just watch it. <laughs> but his is on his TV. The stick, you can just put it in your TV. It's perfect. Does he have Prime through that? He's on Fire Stick. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's awesome. That. Right. Uh, okay, I'll give you one. AMC's Preacher. Awesome show. I have been watching that. I watched the first one, first episode. It was really amusing. It's killer. It's... Uh, you know, out of the same light as a lot of these things, graphic novel turned show, yeah. uh, highly successful so far. I actually have an episode I'm going to go watch right after this, so let's get the hell out of here. All right, man. All right, we'll see you guys hopefully next week.